Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing for NRL Tour. One round remaining. In the NRL season for 2019, Boxhead and the picture got a whole lot clearer over the weekend as to how we're looking for finals. Yeah, it did a few teams. Obviously dropped out of the race, but uh, we get that big game that we're looking for. Finals have really come early, I guess. Yeah, well, there's a few results that probably could have made it a bit closer to finish up the round, but no surprise. Some of the teams that uh, they had to go up against is in the teams like Penrith that needed to win or Newcastle the week before, etc. And some of those results, the Bulldogs' miracle run, They've all come to an end, but we have a blockbuster that we're hoping for. It was either going to be Penrith Newcastle or Sharks versus Tigers, and we've got one of them. Leichhardt is going to be a sellout. It's going to be a massive game. You've got Gallon's potential last game or Robbie Farris' potential last game, uh, whether he's even available. That remains to be seen. Uh, obviously, he's been named, and they're going to do what they can to get him to play this week, but with a broken bone or whatever stage he's at, they reckon he was still on. The uh, you know zero gravity runner yesterday, which probably isn't a great thing, but they reckon he tried to train today. But I think well, they said that they were gonna there was gonna be a call made today. Well, they've named him, but I reckon it's gonna drag on through the week. Gallon said as much last night, and what you imagine they're gonna try and sell that he's playing or not. I think if you play him with a broken leg, it's probably not gonna work out too well. But oh, yeah. we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. And the thing about it is, I think it's little to no chance of happening. No offense to Robbie Farrah, but Michael Maguire is not gonna give a fairy well, tale. Michael Maguire said last night that it was gonna be yeah sorted today. My whole point is he wants to focus on making finals. It's not his job to obviously no, give fairy tales like this. If they, if this was a write-off game and they were eliminated, I'm sure they probably would give him a chance to play. Mm. But the fact they're playing for finals for the first time since I think season 2011 from memory or somewhere around there. Like yeah, it is, yeah, somewhere around there. It's yeah. not going to be a fairy tale or a time to take a risk. Let's put it that way. Well, it's so. not, no. We'll jump into our set of six to kick things off, as we always do. Uh, six questions, thoughts, statements, or anything we want to talk about from the weekend. Number one is exactly that, that top eight. Uh, obviously, things have taken form. The Storm and the Roosters locked in at one and two. Nothing can change there. Canberra in third. I know that mathematically people keep putting up. They can finish fifth. It's not going to happen. No. They're 50, 60 points clear. A lot has to happen for them to fall out, so you can lock them in. Well, it's highly unlikely. Yeah, they're going to be third or fourth, so they're locked in. Between Souths and Manly, there's a potential for a change there. Uh, if Souths obviously lose to the Roosters, Manly have a chance if they can get a win over Parramatta, which has obviously got a lot harder given the situation uh, with Tedesco being out. And then on the flip side of that, I know a lot of people blowing up today about some of those calls in the Parra game, and that's apparently cost them top four. But again, looking at that mathematically... They weren't going to make the top four after they bombed that game the week before. Mm. They would have needed a dramatic turnaround, as in winning on the weekend. If they win by a field goal, they still need to make up almost 30, 40 points. They would have needed to have beaten Manly and had Souths get beaten by probably 20 both ways to get close to even pushing to that spot. Yeah. 
and obviously they needed the Brisbane result, which didn't go their way. But you know, uh, on the flip side of that, you're probably looking at those teams being posted in at fifth and sixth, mainly. And uh, obviously the Eels, and then seventh, the Broncos, uh, basically all but assured now, unless Cronulla and Tigers come to some sort of gentleman's agreement to have a, have a golden a draw, point draw yeah. and push them out with four and against. So yeah. that, that leaves us with those two basically battling out for that last spot in the eight. But if the Broncos are well, serious... It's, it's, if the NRL wanted the wild card, they've got it. The wild yeah. card weekend is this weekend. You've got it right now. I tell you what, the, the thing about the... I get people blowing up today. They're going about Parramatta missing the top four. Parramatta wasn't going to miss the top four, if anything. If Brisbane have lost that game... The Tigers and the Sharks are in right now, and the pressure's on Brisbane to beat the Dogs this week. Yeah. So depending which Dogs side would have turned up, considering their season and their dream run was over, if that somehow turned into an upset, you got Cronulla and the Tigers playing on Sunday safe, basically. Mm. Could have ruined the whole thing, and they probably could have taken it light on each other because there would have been no room to move. But in the end, I think we've got a great scenario. No surprise that one and two are locked in, and they deserve to be. Cambridge has been ultra-consistent. South has started to find a bit of form the last few weeks at the right time. Uh brutal blow for Manly on the weekend oh, and then you've got obviously that clash that we're hoping for so Leichhardt what a place that's going to be this weekend that's going to be it's, well, it's already sold thrill. out sold out Sunday night so uh, I, I tried to get a ticket but couldn't get a ticket so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to plot along to Penner Stadium I reckon watch that one could potentially have been a, another semi-final but um, by having those both both sides have just hit the skids yeah well, they both lost a couple of games in the back run to take care of that tackle two though speaking of Manly Dashed on the weekend. Brutal game for Manly. Looking really, really good. Getting the result against Canberra the week before. Heading back to Brookvale. Melbourne, uh, wet, rainy night. Strangled out of the game. Tom Javojevic tears his pec. Season over, which is a massive blow. Morgan Boyle gets hurt. Jack Azuski went off with an injury. And the week before that, they'd already lost Thompson. So everything's piling up at the wrong time for Manly um, after they were, you know, starting to show signs. And again, that record I spoke of last week against... Those top four or five sides where bar the Roosters, they were six and two. Yeah. Um, and now, as much as I hate to say it, you'd have to say their chances are definitely gone or any chance they did have is gone. The top four spot is more than likely gone and it, it's going to be a big ask. Oh, it's hard. You lose one of your best players, it's it's going to make it very, very hard. So well, Even Thompson and a couple of those guys, they're all big blows, but Tom's a critical blow. And I know they you know, plotted along without him at the start of the year, but come finals time, you need all your best players in the field. So that, that was a big blow for the Manly side on the weekend. Mm. As far as what they do from here, I'm sure Brendan Elliott probably gets that job. Garrick was pretty solid, I guess, filling in on there on the weekend. But the sample size they had over a few games when Elliott was there was pretty good. Mm. Uh, that's probably the option to move forward. I know some people chucked out the idea of Dylan Walker going to fullback. I don't know why you disrupt what's been going on in the halves uh, as of more recent to make that move there. I, I guess... Tom being a ball-playing fullback or having that ability takes pressure off Walker. But I don't think now is probably the time to be moving Dylan Walker to fullback when you already know you've got someone capable in Elliot. I'd leave the halves as they are. Yeah. Elliot and... Uh, sorry, LG and Cust, I think they've been playing well in Cup. If one of them is absolutely kicking the door down and you feel you'll get more spark out of Dylan Walker, I guess that's the way to go. But I think they'll go the option they know about and probably stick with Brendan Elliot. you think so. But, yeah, you'd think uh, so. Yeah. He, well, he did well before yeah. Tom came back. and he's so. been good at centre and wing and the other jobs he's done, so... Uh, they've clearly got confidence in him, but yeah, for Manly fans out there, you, uh, you've got every right to be heartbroken, that's for sure. The timing Absolutely, was yeah. just brutal. Tackle three, and I thought this one was probably going to be the one that stirred the most controversy. How many times we get fan questions about relocation, expansion, all these bits and pieces, and suddenly, this week of all the times, I thought, why is this popping up right now? And I thought it was coming from the NRL side of things, and then you're hearing that Channel 9 uh, pushing the league 
to get a second Brisbane team for obvious reasons, for broadcast rights, for TV, all sponsorship, TV time, the time slot, etc. All that is good for the broadcaster, but man, like I know they pay for the game, but the NRL can't be being dictated to to rush into a rescission or rush into something like this by Channel 9. Uh, and then on the flip side, the clubs that were, that were suggested, no offence to your mob, the Titans, but of the three they brought up, Titans, Manly, Cronulla, like, to relocate Manly or Cronulla, that's not going to be accepted. They're not going to, they're not going to relocate anyone. I know. It's but the whole talk and trying to push aside and insolvency and this, that and the other. Why are they getting $13 million a year? How's anyone going to be insolvent? On the flip, Cronulla has... A long history. It's too far gone now, and they've recently won their comp. They're doing this redevelopment to get $40 million in their coffers and provide for themselves and put themselves in an even better position. Then you've got Manly, who in the decade prior with Melbourne won a couple of comps and one of the more dominant sides, and they've got a great history as well. The only one out of all the candidates, obviously, is the Titans, but at the same time, we can't give up a foothold to the AFL. I know they're not really succeeding, and they're dumping money into it, and basketball's failed there, and A-League teams failed there, but... For crying out loud, like on the flip side of that, they're talking about them being insolvent or struggling. They've got the Rebecca Frizzell and the owner, Daryl Kelly, and that they've got up there. They're not struggling for cash either. That's not going to happen. So, Simple as that. It's, it's, uh, it's what the NRL are doing at the moment. They're leaking a lot of information. They're seeing what the public perception and public reaction is to it. The absolute no-brainer would be to just add an extra team and have a buy. That would just be a no-brainer. I think the big thing again yeah, they're, they're the talking about it's not the NRL it's the broadcasters and for the, the broadcasters, broadcasters don't run the game it doesn't get Simple them as that. Yeah, I get, I'm with you but for them an extra team doesn't get them an extra game so for them it's just 13 million more dollars we'll bring to in in, 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 like relocation is going to be off the table no mm. one's getting relocated so I'm with you and we've said this before no, if you're going to cut a club it, it'll just be whatever club falls Dies. over financially yeah. and if that is the Titans I'll cop that then there's no way they're going to move the Titans and no then the other will. point that was they've been... invested way too much money yeah. way too much time but they're and not as broke. you said they've got good owners and there's so no AFL side they're there. not going anywhere the other and, thing... and it's a corridor where there's probably it's probably the third or fourth most juniors well they're pumping out some players obviously you want more of them playing for the Titans it doesn't matter where they go to I'm just yeah. saying in terms of that. junior numbers I'm it's a huge number agreeing with you I'm saying so, you obviously want more playing at the Titans but yeah they're producing plenty in that corridor on the so flip. why the hell would you move a side away from there? It's it's stupid. The Sydney argument is like the argument that's made about the mm. AFL thing. It's too far gone and you want to be New South Wales to be football territory, much like Melbourne is AFL territory. The no-brainer, and we've said this all along, it doesn't really need a whole lot of thought, is Perth because it's a different time slot and they obviously lost their rugby union team and Ziggy Forrest or the bloke over there said he'd be happy to have a team. If you've got somebody like that on board who's absolutely whacked with cash and it's set up correctly and they get their own team, it might survive. It's got a very good chance of surviving. The origin was well accepted. And the second one's clearly Brisbane. They're talking this week about all the money, the $55 million turnover, plus the $13 million grant. They've got that whole stadium and set up to themselves and centre of excellence and all those juniors. It's, it's an absolute no-brainer. But the thing about it, like forget all the scrap of relocation uh, and all this kind of stuff and killing clubs off, that's not happening. The two that we've talked about, the big point that we've made all along when everyone brings it up is talent. Yeah, there's not enough talent to launch two more teams at this point in time. There's enough for one. So if they want this to work, they need to do a better job, as we've said in the past, of not paying the top enders heavily and trying to keep more of the bottom end. And we're seeing it right now. You've got blokes that play good football for 12 months that are putting themselves on the market for a million dollars, and it's just not reality. And like someone like Kalen Ponga, the whole talk about the 1.5 million dollar deal, like that's just that just ruins a team. Until we have a better minimum wage or a better scale there. The guys that go to England now just to keep playing who are, you know, a bit lost playing in New South Wales Cup here or 
two or three years just sitting there in the top 30s. We need that base of depth to come back and stay here for longer if we're ever going to expand and have a better comp. But, yeah, it's not as simple as this throw together that's come out this week or leaked from Channel 9 that, oh, they're going to make a decision by Christmas. Like, they're kidding themselves. And the NRL just as bad for letting this leak out. Yeah, the NRL's rudderless at the moment, man. So... Yeah. Absolutely right. For anyone that's freaked out, and I've read a lot of stuff over the last couple of days, Don't put, freak it, out. put it down to anything plain and simple. Then none it's of those, none of them are going broke. And paper tool. The only way this is going to work is, as we said, those two spots get expanded. But before that happens, you need the players, and you need a solid base. Just players, yeah. Brisbane, no doubt, would survive with a second team. But yeah, that Perth setup. Ziggy Forrest has said before, who supported uh, the union setup there, and was absolutely filthy when that was gone. Was talking about throwing cash in there. If they actually put some work and research into it and talked to him before you actually got into expansion and made sure it had the dollar, I'm sure it would thrive over there as well. Mm. But there's no way that they're going to be relocating anyone or killing a team off unless someone makes some horrible decisions and goes into the gurgle. But relocation is just such an ugly... Like, players... Like, why would you accept a team that's just been... Oh, here you go. This is your team, yeah? It's just stupid. Like, you want your own team. It's dumb. So... <laughs> dumb argument. Yeah. Having that leak out. Silly. Dumb argument. Tackle four. Adam O'Brien finally confirmed as the Newcastle coach after the absolute circus that's been going up up there. Uh, Three-year deal. Locked and loaded. You know, they're talking about this is the next coach to take things forward. Uh, He's done a base in Melbourne. Long-time apprenticeship there. One year at the Roosters now. Now he takes over. He's definitely going to need to hit the ground running because they said they wanted someone who can take him to the next level. I'm not saying he can't, but you're looking at a guy who's got no head coaching experience. So you've gone from one extreme to the other, realistically. Mm-hmm. He obviously yeah. comes with a hell of a reputation, uh, and he's been in two very, very good systems. But when you're out on your own two feet now, we're going to see if Adam O'Brien can coach. The raps are big and rightfully so, but, yeah, the talk about the assistance and that set up as well. David Ferner is apparently being considered for one of the assistants and Cameron Serrato from Penrith dead up there. So. Well, there's talk that Cameron Serrato's not happy that Trent Barrett Trent Barrett come back. That's coaching, mate. Well, you're an assistant. Get There's got to be another assistant. And so. obviously, if you're that good, then they wouldn't be bringing other assistants in. So, you know, you've, it, that's that's the part of the gig, man. So he's, a- he's from Newcastle anyway, or he's been yeah. up, played at Newcastle. Um, it's It's been noted and rumoured that he was in discussions as well as David Ferner with Adam O'Brien about taking on a, mm. an assistant's coaching job. And it would be a good spot to go. I'm sure Adam, Adam O'Brien's licking his lips about... Uh, the, the possibility of going there and I'm sure the two assistant coaches will as well particularly the way that you know, if, 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 if Serrato's got his nose out of joint at Penrith get out of there and the way that Ferner got the punt at Leeds yeah and he did a great job in the two stints he did as an assistant he had great success yeah. at Souths and he was well liked by the players and Seabold and they thought he did a really good job and prior to that at North Queensland he was well liked and well thought of in his position there mm. so some guys are really good assistants Yeah, clearly he's done a good job there and like you said Serrato's got a link to the club, he is a young coach. If you're looking for a fresh start and you're not happy with the position you're in, get another job. Pack him. So that's right. That's potentially where they're going. Pack yourself. Let's just hope everything quiets down from now on for Newcastle fans because I think they spoke with their feet on the weekend at Old Boys Day. Uh, they oh, obviously. I think that that had more to do with the Titans. To be oh, fair. I think it was two way response to how horribly this has all been handled by the club and Phil Gardner and probably the biggest statement of all is Denny Bedirus walking away from his role as a consultant and they said he didn't kick up a stink he left quietly but he really wasn't happy with how everything's gone down what happened with Nathan Brown and just how the whole situation's panned out yeah, I'll, I'll trust that when I hear it from his mouth Phil Gardner like then coming out as well and just a smother campaign oh, I'll offer Joey Johns any job he wants or this person or that but like it's just they just need to stop talking 
stop talking. You've got your coach. Play the game this weekend. Move on to next year. Have a quiet off-season. No talk about Ponga's contract or partying or no one doing anything. They just need a well, clean off-season. Mate, Leopards don't change their spots. He's not going to shut up because he hasn't shut up for mm. the last however long. So... Which yeah. is going to be the circus will continue until they get someone in there who's in charge of rugby league and he can go back to running the club. Well, because at the moment you've got someone who has no rugby league now, essentially speaking for the rugby league arm of the business. Well, Bediris has obviously left his role. There's talk that Quayle wasn't going to renew his setup to be a consultant. He's obviously supposedly one, uh, you know, a great rugby league minor, a great administrator, and then taught that Brian Canavan also wasn't happy with how things are handled and might walk away. So they, they might need a whole new setup up there mm. to help out around Phil Gardner and Troy Pezzett and. Uh, they're going to need all the help they can get because they've got a rookie coach. They're probably going to have two new assistants in, and they're going to have to take over a group that apparently divided on Nathan Brown and this whole setup. So, like I said, Adam O'Brien comes with plenty of reps. Let's hope he's uh, ready to rock and roll. Because if they start off poorly and things don't look great and things turn toxic very quickly, it could get ugly. Yeah. And this could be, you know, absolutely terrible after four or five years of really hard work to rebuild the setup up there. So, fingers crossed for all the Newcastle fans out there. Tackle five, speaking of coaches, Mary McGregor, we know he signed that two-year extension, locked in. Uh, they had the board support. They basically said there was no way they were going to move on. Uh, with the way the results and the, the years continue to move on since that point, it's obviously come out this week that they're definitely going to be doing a review on the off-season. So that's changed very, very quickly. The reality here is, though, if they move on from Mary McGregor, they've got to fork out $1.2 million before he even starts his new contract in full. So they're playing in dangerous territory. I know the players have been bad. We said it before. This this whole year has been a bit of an anomaly and a unique situation. Like to have a player, your key playmaker has been your best player for two or three years in Gareth Woodock, sign on for a four year extension and then not even basically start the preseason and say he's going to leave. The Jack DeBellin situation has been a huge distraction. Obviously, that's taken a toll on the club and the players and how all that's been handled. You know, they started poorly. They had the two losses and they won four games in a row and it mm-hmm. looked as though they were back on the right track and then Origin came. They had four or five going to Origin. They've had blokes playing busted. They've got a lot of young guys that have been in and out that don't look confident and clearly their confidence is just shot. But I don't know, again, if you can wholly and solely blame this on the coach. I know that the fans... <coughs> hey, the, look, everyone's got to take accountability. 100% that. Accountability is not a one-way street. The, the number one thing that generally reflects the attitude of the team is defence. And they've been absolutely disgusting after being the top four side defensively the last couple of years and building their whole game off that. There is zero effort, zero resiliency and just a complete lack of confidence in everything and anything they're doing at the moment. Yeah, so, absolutely. I don't know, again, about firing him in the off-season. And then the other thing is what we spoke about a million times before, replacements. Adam O'Brien's now off the market. Fitzgibbon apparently just signed a three-year extension and this whole Roosters... Uh, Fural that happened around O'Brien apparently trying to leave before that first year was even gone. I think that would be pretty dirty if Fitzgibbon was interested in possibly leaving after just signing on for an extension. Is he ready for that role? Does he want that role right now? Mm, I think uh, he prob- probably is ready for that role. Demetrio, would he consider leaving South if they come back to him after he's been someone that's been there? Like, you know, look, looking at the names and just a short turnaround, I, I don't think you want to be changing coaches no, literally I, just I before the so, off-season, so... No way in the world. Um, I mean, but that's part of the that's part of the issue having um, good assistant coaches, isn't it? Like, well, the other hard thing, you know, have have lesser assistant coaches who aren't then going to walk up and leave. But 
you need to understand that when your club's successful, you're winning premierships, you're up the top of the competition, that your assistant coaches are going to get headhunted. That's just the way the business works, coaching business works and the sporting world works. Well, the other one they talked about, obviously, was Shane Flanagan, but I'd find it amazing if he could get cleared in less than 12 months because the initial ban that was given was obviously 12 months and a lot of conditions. He's going to pop up and get a job. I know he's going to pop up, but to say we banned you for 12 months and then you breached basically everything we told you not to do while you were banned for 12 months, if that to just let him back in within 12 months, it would be a little the thing bit... is, right, that they weren't clear on the on the ban that he's got now. It was indefinite. But Does they that make said sense? In, like, they well, said why is it indefinite? Because well, they were saying it was going to be a decent holiday, that he yeah, needed time well, off. But just come out and say five years. Or come out and say point. 10 years. If they make it within 12 months, it's a little hypocritical to come out and yeah. say, oh, you basically breached the first breach, which was 12 months. Now you can come back and get another job. I like. get it. I, I really don't get it. I can understand their interest in change. It's like uh, the, the, it's, you know, well, if you if you can show that you, you're you remorseful and that you're going to go do the right thing, mate, he's, done, he's gone through as much education as one person can get. Yeah. So well, that's sort of like, again, accountability. Like, where do you draw the line? The other flip side to this, if they want Flanagan, I think Millwood's job would be in trouble, as, as I've said before. He basically handled the Shark situation wholly and solely on his own bat. He did recruitment. He did a lot of good things for that club, sponsorship, junior pathway. He was involved in building that club, basically, mm. from the ground up and turning into what it was. So if he, they think they're going to get him if he does get registered and have him be told by Ian Millwood, this is the players or we're in control of that and you've got no say, they're sadly mistaken. Because he's not going to be told by Ian Millwood or the club that we've signed these 30, this is what you've got. If he was to take a job like that, they'd be relinquishing some control. And I think rightfully so. His track record at the Sharks shows that he can manage, uh, well, obviously without the salary cap breach and whatever else and how much of that comes down to board or him. You know, I get that side of it. But he obviously did a really good job building their junior pathways and yeah. having some involvement there. But if I'm the Dragons, I'm not getting rid of McGregor or even considering it unless he's the bloke I'm getting. I wouldn't want to make a change this late to a rookie coach. Mm, nah. If you're telling me right now, a rookie coach... I don't think McGregor's the issue. I don't think he is either. I think, like I said, this, this is a very unique situation. And, and as many times everyone's but blowing they, up... They, like they quit on the it. weekend. They did quit. 100% they quit. I think this whole year, though, has just been a mess for them. Mm. And when they got Norman there, he missed some time. And Hunt missed some time. And of all people, like, again, we're talking about players. Benny Hunt. Like, I, I get the, the headspace... And all the mental health stuff. Like, I don't agree with anything that he's copped on Twitter and Facebook and all the stuff early. We don't go to that extreme. But on pure football form, he has not lived up to $1.2 million plus. No. They've got a lot of guys that have to have a look at themselves in the mirror and start playing to their potential and to their contracts. Mm-hmm. They've got from 6 to 13, basically, a rep forward pack, a rep halves, and a hooker. And none of them playing no. like rep players. No one's really playing up to that standard. No. So I think they just need time away from the club. They look, a lot of them look injured, a lot of them yeah. look tired. Well, Frizzell's been busted for a few years and avoided surgery. There's a lot of guys that are playing busted. They just need an off-season, time away, come back. I think the only thing that worries me again is this Jack thing's not going away. The whole next preseason and that case starts two weeks before the season kicks off. Yeah. So all you're going to hear all preseason is Jack DeBellin going to play again. And then when that decision gets handed down a week or two out, it could throw them into another furor, which you hope it wouldn't. But the thing is that cloud's not going away. No, it's not. So they're still in a, you know, a pretty awkward situation heading into next season when they're going to be two weeks away from kickoff. So I'd like, I hope they can turn it around. Um, but, yeah, the talk about the coaches and other ones there, unless it's Shane Flanagan, I'd be going into next year with Mary McGregor, eight to ten weeks, see how that unfolds. And if it doesn't look good, then obviously you need to make a change. Yeah. 
Agree. I wouldn't want to pay $1.2 million out right now and get a rookie coach because he's going to be the one hand on this situation. Good luck with that. So just put that in perspective for everyone out there saying it's also get a roster right that now. Mary's built over the last, you know, what is it, five years? Well, the last couple of years is basically him getting to what he wanted, yes, after, again, the Steve Price, Wayne Bennett kind of setup. So it, it took a couple of years to get there. He's got a pretty good group right now. But I, I threw it out there again. I still think Ian Millwood's dodged a lot of criticism for the top 30, which he doesn't have a lot of control over. Mm. Obviously, top end, it's easy to agree on players, but the bottom half, what are they doing? What are they scouting? They're not happy with all of these guys. There's guys like Lattimore and Allgood and this and that that have just been there for a couple of years and they haven't been moved on or they haven't gone and found anyone else. Like, You need to get more out of your whole top 30. We've spoken about this multiple times. Look at a side like Manly this year. They've got full value. They're scouring New South Wales Cup, looked at other clubs that have good depth or have spots or have players that have good potential. The Dragons should be looking at like a sunny coast Falcons with the Storms feeder and trying to pick the eyes out of a team like that. Yeah. Watching 20s, looking at a Penrith right now who's got a plethora of depth in certain positions. You need to pick the eyes out. and Your top 30 needs to be looking at guys that are going, I think all 30 of these guys can contribute in some way and or play first grade. Mm-hmm. Like Tristan Saylor only just started to play. It felt like that only happened because the Dufty situation went south. And now suddenly they're going to re-sign him. It's like, well, your season was done. Anyone that's on your books, including Lachlan Tim, who still hasn't played, if you're not sure of, play him in first grade. <coughs> yeah. Like, if you're not just going to use blokes, why are they in the top 34? So, there's a lot more than just Mary McGregor that's wrong at the Dragons right now. Mm. So, <coughs> see what happens there. And the last one, tackle six. <coughs> showdown on the weekend. How good. that the final round, we get a game that has some meaning to it. Sharks, uh, if four or five games this year, they've just cost themselves off goal kicking, which just really, really hurts in the end. Because if you look at it and you get those games back, they're pushing for top four. Instead, they've left themselves in a situation where they're potentially going to miss the eight. And then the Tigers have the big off-season furor. Ivan Cleary moves on. Madge Maguire comes in. He's not happy with some of the bigger-name players. They've had some injuries. They're playing with you know a lot of lesser names or some kids. And much like we said last year about Ivan Cleary when he was there, he's getting the most out of the sponge. He's yeah. squeezed it absolutely dry. And it's amazing that they're potentially going to make the finals, considering Packer... Madalino and multiple other players that haven't been playing for him, Moses and Bide, there's almost $2.4 million missing right there. Yep. The Reynolds situation during the year, like, yeah, and then Robbie Farrah going out the last couple of weeks and they found a way to still fight on. So, Gallon versus Farrah. Farrah does play. Oh, I kind of wish we were going, like you said, but it's near impossible to get a ticket. But anyone that is going, if you're a Sharks or a Tigers fan, you need to go to that game. That's going to be an absolute belter. Oh, it will be, yeah. I, the the only issue is if you got a GA seat, good luck. Good luck seeing the game <clears throat> because it's just jump cr- on unless the hill. You, unless you sit. Well, that's the thing. I've I've been there when the hill's been chock a block. I went to a game last year, Titans, uh, Titans, Tigers, and it was sold out. And the boys I went with just went back to the pub. Well, you're just gonna have to get there nice and early if you are going to go and sit right up on that fence on the stools or something like that. But yeah, I, I suggest like Brock saying if you are going to go. You definitely need to get there early. Absolutely. That's the one thing you got to do, but there you go. Looking forward to that one on the weekend. Let's get a tip there. Uh, what do you reckon? I, I, I don't think Robbie Farrah plays, and unfortunately... I've got $1,250 riding on this game. You know, the Tigers to miss <clears> the eight. I need the Tigers to miss the eight. <laughs> Sorry, Tigers fans. I... Oh, look. You know what? I would actually, never have ever have ever thought it to come down to this, so well done. If they roll me, they roll me. You that's, know what, that's, I, that's punting. I had a look back today at what we I had. I could hedge. I could go and have $600 on the yeah, Tigers. Yeah, split it. And I'd win $100, basically, and get my money back. No. 
let ride. So I'm thinking about it because $600 is a lot of money. Well, I had a look today at our bets of the year and yours and mine both ride on this last game. So how good. Your best bet of the year was Roosters top four, which is locked in into yeah. Tigers missing the eight. That's the bet that I've got. That's and my flip right. one was Sharks over 11 and a half. They're on 11 wins right now. They need to So win. we both need Sharks. So sorry to everyone out there, but we're both on the Sharkies band. <laughs> and in all honesty, again, scoreboard pressure. Last week, because they couldn't kick a goal, to me, cost them that game. They were horrible in the second half. But... Well, a lack of scoreboard pressure, because if 12 nil and 18 nil is totally totally different. Yeah. Even 14 nil. 14 to still made it a three score game. Correct. They put it in the field goal situation. So they've <laughs> yeah. burned themselves so many times this year, Cronulla. It just kind of feels, you know, it, it would almost feel right in the worst way if they did miss the eight, given what they've done to themselves with their goal kicking and some of their results. Um, but, I, yeah. I don't know about that. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But that wraps up our set of six to start this off. Now into our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre award-winning service. Yes, at the Penrith Local Business Awards, they won the best trades and services company. We've got people writing on all those statuses and bits and pieces. Lots of the listeners' box yeah. getting on board, like we said. It. We've obviously got systems, plenty of other people on board. Everyone's happy. It's just the way to go. Working in this industry, like I said, bills aren't getting any cheaper. Things are only getting more expensive. So why not help yourself out with something that long-term is going to put money back into your pocket and cut down your bills. But don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season because the team at Penrith Solar Centre are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar experience. When it comes to tackling your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call them today on 1800 20 or visit their website au. Tell them about Lewis and Brock, the fifth and last we sent you. Talk to Jake and his team there, and they will sort you out like plenty of people have been sorted out here on the podcast, and everyone's been very, very happy. Great sponsors, the Penrith Soul Centre. Absolutely. Power rankings for the last time, Box said Number one, no surprise again, the Roosters. Yep, tricky. Still got some players to come back into the equation, and they've done it pretty easily on the weekend, and I honestly thought they played with their food, if I'm being honest. They did, yeah. Number two, no surprise again, the Melbourne Storm. Storm. Uh, absolutely insane to think that I thought that 2017 team from Melbourne was the best Melbourne team I've ever seen. <coughs> they went 20 wins, four losses. This team is on track to do that. And the scarier part is the losses they've had this year, two by field close. goal, one by a penalty goal, and four points. They've lost mm. by a combined total of eight points in four games. Mm. Um, for what's gone out of that side, for how many young guys that have gone in, changes in the back line, tampering with their halves, three different fullbacks, like, Craig Bellamy is a wizard. Yeah, I know it helps to have Cameron Smith there, but people carrying on about that. Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, international forwards that have moved on. Jordan McLean, Kevin Proctor, Tohu Harris. You've got to appreciate what he does down there. Craig Bellamy is a freak. Number three. Yeah. How do you argue with that? Canberra Raiders. Raiders, yeah. I thought uh, they were a little shell-shocked in the first half on the weekend, but they got themselves back in after being under the pump. They found a way to win that game and Aiden Caesar, someone that I'm not honestly all that confident that he can be a halfback that wins a premiership, but three field goals on the weekend, he did have ice in his veins. So let's hope he takes that form into the finals. But good win for Canberra, locks themselves in to that top four. Number four in your power rankings. South. I've got South as well, and it's purely that Manly lose Tommy, lose that game and probably fall out of the top four. But I'm still not sure if South are of the ilk of these top three sides at this point in time, but to win in Brisbane the way they did and scrap their way out of that one, then to go over to New Zealand. I thought they were pretty clinical on the weekend, a high uh, you know, completion percentage in one of their better performances, and they've still got to get back to three Burgesses. So yeah. at the right time, if they find themselves in the top four here, 
I don't know if they'll be able to get the job done week one, but two bites of the cherry will be very handy for South Sydney. Yep. Uh, number five, I've still got Manly. I've got Para. Just right. purely based on not results. Who they've lost. Uh, I think it was a good loss against... Uh, the Broncos, because uh, the, that was just an excellent game. Um, and more that Manly now have lost to Boyevich. And essentially, whoever wins that game on Sunday, I'll, I'll have ranked at five in my power rankings mm. uh, next week, he- heading into the finals. But um, I've got Parramatta. People may disagree with that, but yep. just when I look, I believe that Parramatta are the most likely team to really challenge in the finals if, if I'm ranking Brisbane... Manly and Parramatta. All right. Well, I basically looked at it and thought, even without Tom and Elliot there, with Tapau, with Fanua Blake, with Farnu, Sirenan, Cherry Evans, etc. Well, we're going to see this Sunday because they played. That's my point. So I've left them for the time being. I, think, I, I haven't. I've dropped them right. I back. think they can scrap maybe a way to a win here, but for Parramatta, they yeah. would want to win at Bank West heading into the finals, just to get their confidence back, get themselves on the right track, and you know we'll see who they end up playing week one. But at this point in time, well, there you go. I've got Manly at six. And you've got Parra, obviously. I've six. got Parra at six. Seven, I've got Broncos, the Broncos, yeah. basically because they're purely locked in. Uh, honestly, if the Sharks would have won last week, I probably would have had the Sharks definitely ahead of them. Uh, and at eight, for now, it's the Sharks. Yeah, I've got Cronulla. I think this weekend, the situation, Leichhardt, everything's going to be against them. They're generally good when their back's against the wall, but they've let some results slip that they shouldn't have this year. And in particular, like we spoke about, there's two games now against Canberra that goal-kicking has really cost them, and they've scored more tries and probably dominated. Uh, the first game, obviously, they were blowing out in the first half and fought their way back, but it was goal-kicking again. Yeah. The Bulldogs game, you got the Broncos game they lost, but their record is it like the most games in history now in a year where they've scored more tries than their opposition, but goal-kicking's cost them the result. Craziness, eh? And I, I thought it was hard on the weekend for them. Obviously, Johnson pulled out before kickoff. Josh Dugan got wiped out during the game. Josh <coughs> Morris went for HIA, so they had a big go against them. Injuries haven't been fair. This year, but still, they were in the driver's seat. They needed to close that game out, and they couldn't do it. So, all down to this weekend, them and the Tigers, as to who gets in. So, right now, you're probably looking at Roosters South, possibly, week one of the finals. Mm. That's That'd be potential. A belter. Or Roosters Canberra, and then you're looking at either Storm South or Storm Canberra, more likely, because mm. the Roosters aren't moving out of two. So, those matchups, either way, are great. Uh, in all honesty, if Melbourne, as a Melbourne fan, don't get to the grand final, I still want to see a Rooster South GF. I think that would be absolutely nuts just at ANZ. That's nothing against Canberra. I think if Canberra got there against the Roosters, that would also be awesome, given the two games they've had this year. But I think just for the whole rivalry of South's Roosters, if that somehow happened and Melbourne weren't in, that's the game I'd like to see. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, on the bottom end of that, uh, you're looking at probably Eels, Five or six Eels Broncos could potentially match up week one again in a rematch, and maybe Manly against the Sharks, or again vice versa if that flips over. Sharks versus Eels or Broncos Manly, all interesting matchups in considering Manly's situation now, not having Tom. Mm. But there you go. Power rankings heading to the finals for this week. Let's jump in the resu- reviews of the games from the weekend. Cowboys versus Dogs, fifteen to eight. Uh, appropriate way to close the stadium up there for their last effort there and obviously retiring Matt Scott's jersey number for the night. Thought the Cowboys showed, much like the week before, a bit more energy. Thought the Dogs threw plenty at them and in particular they probably had the better of things. Well, I thought that. I thought the Cowboys were lucky to win. I've got yeah, to be honest. I agree with you. I think they were lucky to win. I just think there was a bit more effort and energy though but at the wrong time of the year. Mm. We needed that during that last kind of period. Uh, Michael Morgan, he had one of his better games. Jason Tamalo, always Mr. Consistent. Scotty Bolton, his last game up there. 
Uh, the one I've said the last few weeks it's really impressed me on the back end of the season is Tom Opachet. I think he's developed a nice combination on that right edge there with Kyle Felt. But uh, for the Bulldogs, the dream's over. Yeah, I don't know where the dream ever started, did it? Yeah, oh, well, still, that run, there was some hope there. Obviously, they'll knock <laughs> some teams off, but... Um, yeah, they didn't quite get the job done up there. The first half was very scrappy. It was only two all. Very Dow kind of game in that sense. I think the Dogs, they had their chances. Like you said, the Cowboys were lucky to kind of hold on. But second half, they got them at the end of the game. Um, that try was a bit odd. I thought it was pretty obvious that they come off Morgan's hand. But at the same time, there was 20 seconds left. They had the field goal. I don't think they were going to go down and win. But, yeah, I just thought... That won me a line. Won your line, did it? It won me a line in the Lions pool. In our Lions competition. What was the line? Yeah, the Cowboys plus or the Cowboys minus. minus two and a half. So the try got you home. Well, try you got go. me home. That worked out well for you. Well, because I, I lost the line on the Addo car, no try, when mm. Philip Sammy went and threw him over the touchline the week before. So, like, there you go. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah. <clears> well, both their seasons, obviously, not finals teams. Cowboys got plenty to review in the offseason. We'll have to talk about that in more depth when we do our season reviews, but they closed the stadium in the right way. Tom Lowe, Opacek, Good, McLean, Morgan, one of his better games. On the dog side of things, Jeremy Marshall King. I think yeah. he's developed nicely this year. Uh, tackles his ass off for a small boat. 40-20 was good. Kieran Ford, like him or not for the contract, that wasn't his fault. But when he's on the field, I still think he's a good player when he's healthy. Um, he does some good things on the football. Josh Jackson, wholehearted as always. All, the, all those players rip in. I think it's been a real successful year if you look at it from the dog's perspective, the way they finished. It's just a matter of getting players. Obviously, last week, everyone was sold that he was going to the Bulldogs. Happy Corris, now he's gone to Penrith. They've tried to get Raym in. They've had a shot at the Chaboyevichs or are still trying. They're really trying hard to get some players to come in, but that seems to be the only problem right now. Yeah, They've got this nice little core group of young players that have had a season or two of struggle, and they're working hard, and they're pushing some players to their junior pathways, but actually attracting players they're interested in in the free agency market. It's not really working out too well for the Bulldogs, so... Hopefully, uh, they can get someone to bite the carrot soon and come across. South Warriors, 31-10. I don't think it's any surprise. Uh, I think more impressive, though, just they've done it two weeks in a row on the road, but 90% completion rate was one of their best of the season. I thought this is the most controlled and clinical they've been. I really, really liked the way they restructured the back line. I wasn't sure how it was going to look with Gagai and Campbell Graham playing in the centres, but... The way Dwight has been playing at the back, I've got no problem. I think his ball playing really, really helps out in that link side of things. Campbell Graham had an absolute barnstorm in the game playing the centres. Mm. Early football, 200-plus metres. Gagai relished that opportunity as well. Obviously, the rumours that he was dirty about playing on the wing, but uh, simple thing for them is when they roll forward, we've mentioned this 100 times, Cook gets to jump out and play his game. Cody Walker flows off the back of that, and he's very dangerous, and he was. Cameron Murray's always around the football like all good players should be, and Reynolds dictates with his kicking game. Hmm. Uh, I think the only disappointment was they let those two late tries in before half time, but they came back out in the second half, controlled the game, and shut that straight back out of the way as far as the, the Warriors having any chance to come back in. And for the Warriors side of things, it's the same two players every week for me, Sheck and Mamola. There's a few other guys that chip in here or there, but uh, I just feel sorry for Roger Duvasa Sheck of all people <laughs> just about every week. and for Warriors fans, and there was obviously a big blow-up by Gus the other week, 25 years, no idea where they're heading, something's got to change, coach, culture, play, something's got to give. I think one of the biggest turning points for me is when John Acklin stopped being involved in the junior development. I think they're producing as many... Like They've got Tavita Harris and a couple of guys that have come through, but the period where John Acklin was kind of coaching or taking the better of that crop and developing them, I thought he was the perfect person uh, at that time. And obviously, I think... Another person you have to link to that was Ivan Cleary. 
mm. after watching you what did you tell me to watch that Warriors once oh, what was the documentary yeah, Warriors 25 years of the probably Warriors. didn't realise <clears throat> how big a part Ivan and Acklam played at the time and that success and I actually didn't realise how devastated they were that Ivan was moved on Yeah, and that he actually more so signed for Penrith because the Warriors wouldn't guarantee his future and the players were filthy about it when you look at it now it actually was a pretty critical blow to the club and the yeah. way they were heading and like I said, since Ackland's not been there in the 20s and the players they got out of his coaching, uh, something definitely needs to be looked at. But in saying that, Kearney took them to their first final series last year and however long. Uh, this year's obviously been disappointing. They moved on from Johnson, but where to from here in the off-season? I don't know. They haven't really signed anyone and I don't think there's anyone really of note on the market and I think they made a mistake signing Nikarima because they've overpaid, in my opinion. They should have pushed forward Massively. with Tavita Harris, which is what I thought would have been the smart option and then go back into the market but uh, I guess we'll have to see what they dish up next year for South though good win yeah yeah absolutely getting players back in like we said Spine the centre pairing worked out fine do we uh, you've got Murray who's just an absolute <coughs> freak I think he's been quiet for a few weeks now so good to see him spring back and the Burgesses are all very 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 close so right in time for the finals Broncos Eels. This was a ripper game, seventeen sixteen. What do you think of this one? It was intense. A lot of errors. Uh, <clears throat> I thought Brisbane had the better of the majority of this game, but again, they they miss halves. They miss key position players, and, and they are clearly better than Parramatta in the middle. <clears throat> they put a lot of holes in Parramatta, but again, they're relying on under nines footy to sort of win games. Um, yeah. Parramatta were brave, but. Brisbane just kept coming and coming and coming. Uh, and they got the wobbles a little bit towards the end there when it went to Golden Point. Parramatta got a couple late and snuck up on them. But uh, the run that Fafita produced to put them in position to ice the game, uh, it was very impressive, very, very impressive. And I think you're starting to see a little bit of the fruits of, of Brisbane. I think they've really narrowed their game. I think Seabold's probably just put on ice what he wants to do with his side until he gets a seven that he's got some confidence in. Yeah, it I looks think- like he's just pinned... O'Sullivan to one side of the field, mate, do the kicking, pass short, pass long, keep it simple, make your tackles. I mean, he's doing a good job on that right-hand side. He's Uh, certainly defending above his weight. He defends above his weight. the other night and he did a pretty good job. Uh, The only comment I'd make is that I think Andrew McCulloch needs to get more out of nine. There was a few times in this game where he did roll out of nine and looked really, really good. Uh, I think the message from Seabold, I no doubt that he would have given it, is that that's got to happen more. Well, you've got to take the markers or at least make the A defender hold up a little bit. If you're just going to dish off the deck when you've got that forward pack, they're still putting a dent in the line and they're doing a good job, but you can just make it so much easier or a little more effective if you're willing to roll out, yeah. engage markers, and at least make the A's think that the hook is going to do something. Because for so long, obviously, yeah, McCulloch hasn't been that style of player. I know there's been calls for me. You've got to adapt your style. Yeah. And I'm with you. Like For all the commentary and everyone going, oh, they're dumb. They're a dumb football side. They've got dumber. It's like, well, fucking wake up. Mm. Say this every week. Who, look at who's in their halves. They obviously like the kid Dearden. The sample size we've got of Dearden, he did a really good job. Yeah. He controlled steered that side. Why you don't have a pair of halves, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to strip it right back. Yeah. Because if you overcomplicate things like you're saying, and clearly he's not trying to right now, <clears throat> things are going to look even worse. So, you know, they're sticking to their strengths right now, which is their power game. Yeah. They've absolutely. got some young dynamic forwards. They can offload the football. They can generate quick rucks. Staggs has done a very, very good job. I think Glenn's done a good job on the other side of the field. The bloke who's disappointed me, in all honesty, the back end of the season, and he's been really hot and cold. He's about to get a new big deal as Corey Arts. Uh, way too many errors, and he's, he's been a bit patchy. So, again, obviously the talk's all been quelled about Fafita. Probably going nowhere. His own mum's come out and said he's not going anywhere. He lives at home, and they're still taking care of him. But, sure. um, 
yeah, I think the media, again, overcooked that one. Talking like he was leaving next year, he's still got another year to run. Yeah. He's going nowhere. So, for the Brisbane <laughs> side of things, in this game, I thought the most impressive thing for me was the fact they defended in bulk. They had mm. multiple times there where Parramatta had repeat sets or they've touched the football and they had to defend their line for three or four sets. Were Parramatta hard done, hard done by? I thought the Ferguson pass definitely... Uh, you know, could have been the one which try. was called forward. It was. It wasn't forward. They've come out and said today, or Bernard Sutton said he thought that was a try. He also said that Darius Boyd took Clint Gutherson out or blocked him purposely on that field goal. The only thing I'd say on that is, fuck, the whistle goes away for every golden point game, and almost every side runs that block. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to make an excuse for Brisbane on that one, but golden point. We all know the whistle basically just gets buried. Yeah. On the flip side of that, though, I thought there was one or two calls that went Parramatta's way early. Yeah, game. I thought Parramatta so, got a lot of calls early. It climbed, so, climbed it, it four in the bigger mm-hmm. moments, but if you actually go back and watch closely, there was a few calls, particularly one in, the, in goal, where I thought Parramatta had two touches and knocked it on, which would have been a dropout and an extra set for building pressure for Brisbane. When yeah. I thought they were about to score, that turned into Parramatta going the other way and putting them down for four or five. One thing for Brisbane, first up contact. There was a lot of offloads, a lot of second efforts. They gassed out, and obviously the sin bin for McCulloch definitely didn't help, but... Like you said, they were running on wobbly legs at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for Parramatta, I still think they're heading the right direction going into the finals. They've just got to obviously adapt to a grind. Like you've said previously, they like to play their own style of game, but when it doesn't go their own way, sometimes they get a bit lost. Mm. They get a bit frustrated. Um, but Kane Evans, he's come out of the ground the last few weeks. He had a massive game the other night. Paulo, that pass he threw was an absolute perler. Sivo's been good all year. Gutherson, but for the Broncos, Haas and Fafita. You couldn't be <clears throat> any more impressed with two 19-year-old kids. Ridiculous. Yeah, they're going well. Both no, no, played no, no. at Origin. I think both are going to be probably close to making that Australian squad in some capacity. They're probably the best two players, best two forwards in the game. It's, right? yeah, ridiculous. And like, Haas just keeps going. Mm. He's a machine. For Fita, we talk about tackle busts. He had 15 or 16 in this game. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, massive win for Brisbane and potentially booked him in for the finals. Though I guess I should say they are booked in for the finals other than if a miracle happens as we spoke about before with a draw occurring between the two teams under him and the Tigers and the Sharks. Uh, obviously, if that did happen or some, something did happen along those lines, it would be a bit of a miracle or a bit suspect, but I highly doubt they're going to be looking to hand each other a draw on the weekend and get each other in. They're going to try and bleed each other dry. So yeah, of course. You'd expect that Brisbane, uh, with a four and against, with one of those teams jumping them unless they beat the Bulldogs. They would definitely finish 8th, but more than likely, if they win, they're going to finish at 7th. Uh, they might play Parra again. So Parra might get a chance at redemption at Bankwest Stadium. Week 1, but a good result for the Broncos in this one. Newcastle Titans, uh, <clears throat> not a lot needs to be said. It was awful. And as I said before, I think the fans of Newcastle spoke with their feet. I know it was wet up there, and they did play the Titans like you said, but after all the drama... The last week and a half, or just constantly in the paper every day, and the whole handling this whole situation, there was an awful crowd considering the day it was. It was a great win, but again, it doesn't mean anything now because of what they dished up the other week when they quit uh, against the Tigers. If they would have won that game or at least tried, they could potentially be playing for finals as well this week, but that's now gone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I, I can rack plenty of players in the way they played, in particular their right edge, Barnett, Leno. Etc. They had a field down that right side. They absolutely carved the Titans apart. Riley Jacks, definitely, he's not defending like he did at Melbourne. That was one thing that he did really well when he was at Melbourne. I guess the system and confidence and everything happening around him is not helping, but <clears throat> there wasn't a whole lot of positives as usual. I think the only things I really took out of it is Arrow always tries. Semi, at the back end of the year, 
at least been making an effort and having plenty of carries and Fighter Wakers locked in, but found it really worrying this week. And I think more important than this result, you probably did as well, that they're going to let him go into market. They think that's a good idea to let him negotiate. Yeah. I think if they think he's going to get offers or things less than what they would offer, they're kidding themselves. I don't, I don't know. What <clears throat> the only thing I found confusing from Jai's point of view is apparently winning and trying to win a competition is a big factor, but he also thinks it could happen at the Gold Coast. So no offence to Jai. I think he's been very, very nice, and I think he's a bit delusional. Well, it could happen at the Gold Coast, but it won't be happening in the next three or four years. No. So mm-hmm. if, if I was them, again, you don't want to get caught in an Ash Taylor situation, but I think Jai has proven by character and performance that he's definitely not like that in the sense of what you're going to get each week. There is a one worry with Jai Arrow, though, and it is a real worry, injury. Hmm. He has had a sternum last year, uh, and he had back spasms and problems, and then this year, obviously, the ankle. I think it's more a result of the way he plays. Obviously, when you're dominant and you're a good carry of the football and blokes dive in your legs and carries and things get awkward, you're more like, likely to have those kind of incidental contacts or you know, suspect injuries like the one that happened in Origin with his ankle, but... Um, yeah, I, I think they have to keep him. And if it wasn't already enough, we were talking about the Tigers the other week, potentially looking at AJ Brimson. Apparently, they're heavy in on Dre Arrow now as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So they're putting their focus in on trying to get both those players from the Gold Coast, which would be a huge blow to the Titans' future. But, yeah, third out to four, like I said, we don't even need to talk about this game for Newcastle. I didn't watch it. I did, but... Titans... I I refused to to watch the Titans. Titans scored the first try, uh, then basically were holding on for 20 minutes defending Newcastle. Newcastle looked awful, clunky, and like they didn't want to be there, and then it just opened up. Mitchell Pearce. And that's about all I need to know. He ran through the biggest gap you've ever seen. Uh, the centre, like Jax, was tucked into the back row. Brian Kelly was out in no man's land. There was a 10-metre hole that a truck could have gone through, and then they just kept picking at that right-hand side. It was 24-4 at half-time. Um, and then the second half wasn't much better. But there's nothing to take from it because neither of those teams are playing finals. I guess for Newcastle, it's more what we said moving forward, what happens next year. But, yeah, for the Titans, <clears throat> it's been an awful awful finish to the season hopefully Justin Holbrook in the background is already working some magic and working the phones and talking to all these players and things can turn around but remains to be seen and this week second last versus last for the Titans they're playing the Dragons so again probably a game I will not watch see what happens Storm Manly 36-6 to uh, like I said Tom going in this one the rain pouring down but Melbourne turned up ready to play Melbourne just strangled in this game they were clinical they completed uh, very, very high. They kicked well. They pinned him inside their own half. I think Nelson and Jesse laid a hell of a platform. And their left edge, which has been so potent all year, despite slight changes, was very, very potent. Justin Olam has grown massively in confidence the last few weeks and turned out a real weapon on both sides of the ball for Melbourne. Pappenhausen, I think, showed that's the right decision, having him at fullback. I think Hughes is a great fullback in his own right, but they're more dangerous to him at the back. Hughes as a half, you probably didn't notice him as much, but I think the main thing is he didn't make any big mistakes and he defended well. So for Croft moving forward, I think he'll probably get an opportunity and we'll learn when we look at the team list later to play this week because Munster hurt or aggravated a shoulder or neck issue, so he's probably going to miss this week. But 
I think you'd probably agree uh, that they're going to move forward with Papineau's not one, and Hughes no is most likely going to be the seven. Absolutely no surprise there, man. Yeah. For Melbourne, I think my only concern is for all the possession and dominance they had, they probably should have scored more points, in particular the first half. When Paseca crashed over close to halftime at 18-6, I, I thought for everything they've had and for all the territory and the extra repeat sets and pressure they've built, they definitely should have scored a couple more tries. But second half, at least they went on with it. Uh, they got back to strangling, kicking well. Cameron Smith was absolutely outstanding. He orchestrated most of the good stuff that happened and that go-forward that we spoke of in the left edge. But again, we talk about improved players. Kenny Bromwich this year has been absolutely outstanding for Melbourne. Um, wow. The development of him they as a player. They just choked Manly out. They did. <clears throat> Didn't give Manly, Manly an inch. It wasn't a lazy performance like the last time they played Manly. No. They had no forward over 100 metres. The only player that got over 100 in for their whole team was George Tafua. Mm. And he... Speaking of George, he laid a couple absolute bell ringers on Pappenhausen. The one on Munster in open field was brilliant. That's that's a very difficult... It's one thing to try and line somebody up, but at full speed, in the wet, to set himself up the way he did, he absolutely pumped Munster. Pumped Munster. But the Tom blow, as we spoke it was, about... That's the biggest hit of the year. <clears throat> the Tom injury is critical to their season. Uh, like I said, Gazuski went off with his injury. Morgan Boyle, guys they're getting good minutes out of. Joel Thompson's... Arm break is worse than initially thought. He's probably going to be missing for potentially the rest of the season as well. So there's been some real critical blows, but none bigger than Tom Trevojevic. So Huge. Massive for Manly heading into the finals. But for Melbourne, minor premiership wrapped up. Uh, some good signs showed there the other night. And again, I think the main thing to take out of that was the Pappenhausen performance. He needs to be playing one for the Storm heading into the final series. So third minor premiership in four years for Craig Bellamy. Yeah, massive, massive achievement. Roosters Panthers twenty two to six. They started with a bit of energy. The Panthers they played a lot more direct, which is something I thought they should have been doing more during the year. They got a couple offloads and they tried to move the chooks around. Uh, the first try, obviously, just a physical mismatch. They get the ball out to Kikau one on one with Manu, who's also a big body, but Kikau's hard to stop him. Thought, oh yeah, maybe they've turned up to play. It's again, it's a pity. It's a couple of weeks too late because the finals re- was still on the line. But realistically, it was a long shot they were going to beat the Roosters. After that, though, I think the Roosters fired some shots and missed some opportunities. You had Crichton off Tupo, touching the air, which was almost a knock-on. The Roosters were rolling up at field at will. Um, and after dodging those couple of bullets, they eventually spilled over. James Tarmow and the forwards all jumped off the line and just completely forgot about the hooker. Verrills, who, if you watch any junior football, is absolute lightning, jumps that gap. It only took a couple of minutes later that they isolated Faray, Angus Crichton, whose form's been much better. Pulls through a hole, finds Tedesco and Kiri in the backfield, and at 12 6 again, heading into half time, I thought they left plenty of points on the table. I thought Penrith did well to hold on them. If anything, I thought they played a bit negative. Maloney just kicked out a lot and tried to get them out of their own half and hold in the game. But if the Roosters have Cronk and everyone on board and they're firing all cylinders, I think this could have got real ugly. Would have got ugly. But second half, again. They, like both teams played hard. Yeah. But it was clear who the better side was. Definitely. And second half was a bit similar. They had their moments. Uh, you know, they probably could have scored early. Billy Billy Burns on debut had a cracker trice over a Nat Butcher who almost scored the first couple of minutes into the half, but no surprise. They found their way into this one, the Roosters, in the second half, and that left edge, as it is so potent. Latrell Mitchell, one-on-one crash over them late in the game, draws the winger and flick past the Tupa. Yeah. You've got the top try scorer, and I think between Tedesco and Tupo, three of the top five try scorers in the league, and all based and deployed on the same side of the field. We all know where the ball's going, but can you stop it? Um, they're just That's so well-rounded across the park. you got Rhea Hargraves, Tokiaho's back into the mix, Liu, 
in my eyes, is still super underrated. Crichton finding his form. And we've talked about the guys they've had in that can't fit at the moment. Like Tupanua, not been able to fit in the side. Butcher, when Cordner comes back next week, does he still fit in the side? Like they're, they're just loaded to the absolute gills. Yeah. Cooper Cronk had a week off. I think Drew Hutchison, again, shows what good coaching a good system does. He had massive raps as a junior for a reason. But in that system, the three or four games he's had to play this year, he's looked great. I think he's done more than a capable job. But the real find here, I think, for them is Verrills. Verrills has got all the junior raps, and rightfully so. But in a short time in the NRL, he's proven he is certainly up to that level. And they have not lost anything without Jake Friend. And that's no knock on Jake Friend, but Verrills is a hell of a player. He defends above his weight. He services second and none. His game in the 20s was based off more that attacking side of things, but... More impressively, since he's been in the NRL, is how he's held his own defensively. Mm. Um, he's been great in that regard. He set one up. He scored one. To be ticking along this quickly, or you know, seeing the game the way he is in such a short space of time here, if Friend doesn't get right, much like last year, they played the grand final with a busted cronk. I have full confidence that they can still progress in this competition with Sam Ferrell. Definitely. So they're in a great position for their future in that regard. Again, when you've got a spine player like Cronk moving on, and you get Flanagan. You think you've got a great replacement straight away to pair. This situation, you know, you've got Jake Friend who's been injury prone the last couple of years. Not saying he's retiring anytime soon, but now you've got Verrills. It's a great position to be in. Yeah. So, great situation for them. Uh, I don't know if Tedesco got Dalian points the other night or not, but I tell you what, he'd surely he'd have to have wrapped it up over the way he's played from origin the back end of the season. He would have wrapped up some three-pointers. You'd think so, This yeah. wasn't his best game, but I'm just saying in general, he's formed through the origin period and beyond. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't the winner of the Dalian medal. And the only bloke I think that would be close because they've been winning games would be Cameron Smith because mm. he was untouched during the origin period. But Tedesco this year, excellent. Funny enough, for Penrith, the talk is that Jarabri Hargraves is someone they're targeting this offseason. With the salary cap situation, well, so they should, to they've be got Tokiaho, Liu, a couple of guys. <laughs> they're going to have to you know, reshuffle some money. Penrith apparently throwing the kitchen sink to move Campbell Gillard out and try and get Rhea Hargraves on a decent deal for the last three years of his career. Yeah. He'd be awesome for that group. Awesome for that group. So we'll wait and see what happens there, but that's an interesting one. And obviously during the week, we've said all along, hooker, fullback, two areas that need to be addressed. They got Appy Coruscant back. Uh, he went there originally under Ivan Cleary. Obviously at the same time, they kind of had Seguiara and all that, and it was a bit of a second fiddle role and he moved on, but he's come back now. And part of that is thought to be because of Ivan, but also because he had a relationship with Trent Barrett at Manly. So... It's uh, sort of an upgrade considering what they've got. Sonny Katal's off contract. You'd imagine he's gone. Kenny, they've got him playing first grade, but he's come through as a lock. Whether he continues to develop as a nine, I don't know. And Egan's obviously still got some, definitely got some developing to do. Mm. But for Penrith, you know, they've missed the finals, but I think, you know, it was a, he thought, what he thought he was walking into and what ended up happening were a lot different for Ivan Cleary this year, that's for sure. Yeah. And people that were talking about being top four, before the season kicked off, I think overlooked a lot of things. But when all the shit hit the fan, obviously, that made a big difference. But, yeah. Raiders, Sharks. This was a corker game. Really enjoyed this game. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Belter. Absolute Belter. Cronulla, three tries. No goals. Killer. Scoreboard pressure. They looked on top. And then second half, things just turned. The Raiders started turning the screws. I think they ran with the breeze, the Raiders. So... They started to win the field position battle, got a few penalties. Cronulla started to make a few errors in their own end, and the game just flipped. Absolutely flipped on its head, and then it went to Golden Point, and there was field goals everywhere. It just, for that last 10 minutes, we had Golden Point before Golden Point, and then we got Golden Point, and yeah, first got, side down it got there, very got negative, an opportunity. That's for sure. 
I really think Cronulla, Cronulla were putting holes in Canberra. They made three or four line breaks. They could have scored tries. They Instead, they'd make a line break, stop, run to the post and try and kick a field goal. Yeah, instead of taking advantage of the damage that was score. done. Yeah. And in particular... They, they just threw that game away, Cronulla. One of the field goals that Townsend kicked under immense pressure when they probably could have run. Like, yeah. And who's, who's better, Canberra or West Tigers? What do you mean? In general? Yeah. Canberra. Clearly. So that... That's what gives me confidence going into this weekend. But you've now you've now left yourself in a position where the Tigers are going to have all the all the crowd, all the crowd support, yeah. all the emotion. That's the big thing. And I would say your neutral rugby league fan would rather see Tigers. Tigers win. I'm still of the opinion, and again, they might miss the finals. I'm still of the opinion that the Sharks are genuinely a real dark horse if they get it right. And again, they should have beat Canberra twice. They didn't mainly because of their goal kicking and their start in the first game. They showed her on the weekend. They've showed her. They're just a discipline. Exactly. That's the problem. And second half. Yeah, but you can't then discredit Canberra and say Canberra Canberra. have turned around their discipline because we've seen Canberra do that, throwing games away like that. So they're winning. The Sharks this year have been very frustrating. I I do give some credence that they've rolled in some young guys and they've had some changes. Johnson's been on and off the field, so they definitely haven't got value for money in that situation. Flanagan in and out of the side. Like they've they've had a, a raft of kids come in. Dugan's been on and off. They've shuffled their back line. They've had the drama with the, some of the senior blokes being not happy with their positions and they've had the raft of injuries. But the fact that they are not booked in yet and they've bombed some of these games and they've had the three or four games where they've scored more tries not kicked goals, it's just a comedy of errors. Because when you put it all together and go, if this was all streamlined and disciplined, they're a top four side yeah. without question. And talent-wise, they probably should be a top four side. Mm-hmm. The only reason they're in this situation is because of themselves. They should dig themselves out of it, but like you said, they've now left everything to chance, and everything on the weekend is going to be against Cronulla. For Canberra, second half was outstanding. <clears throat> I think first half they were ambushed. All the emotion and the crowd, like we were just talking about, was all against the Raiders. Uh, they were caught on the back foot. They had to defend multiple sets. They made errors in yardage. They couldn't get out because the line speed of Cronulla, and they also picked on that edge of Jared Croker, and they got their way down there. The first try wasn't even at fault to me of Canberra. It was just a beautiful play by Cronulla. It was numbers, but they just executed it perfectly, and Muli Talo's finish was excellent. Uh, the later one off the kick, where Simmons fall, Simonson falls over, and they almost scored there. I was very disappointed that Flanagan got a bit kick-happy. Like, that's play two. Yeah. You've had all this possession, and you throw a 50-50 out there. Like, people thought Morris got there. I wasn't confident at all, but like, why are you doing that? When you're down there and you're strangling your side, just keep going for the jug, you know? Mm-hmm. The Sherry play on the other side of the field, they actually defend him quite well on the weekend, but the one time he got through, he's he's a weapon. He got Kotrick to sit in the chair and Townsend did a nice job just putting him on there and putting Braley over the line. But like you said, 12-zip, no goals, scoreboard pressure completely changed. That's why when they scored those two tries, it put them in a position to kick a field goal. You kick one of those goals, it's not even a question. They need a penalty goal, they need to score again. Yeah. And the most disappointing thing, second half, obviously, they went off the boil a little bit. Uh, they did lose Dugan, that to reshuffle. Kate Wall had to come on for a bit there, and Morris had to move, and Johnson pulled out before the game. But that kick, Flanagan put in a ripper kick, got Jared Croker in the in goal, two or three guys on the open side chase. There were six or seven on the negative, and Aaron Woods was one of them who didn't make the initial chase effort and then complained and carried on in the background when they showed the replay that no one tied him. Like, you have to chase that in and close that gap. Yeah. Jared Croker goes end to end. That was the turning point in the game for me. That flipped it on its head. Yeah. They score an X play, and it's 12 all. Uh, the field goal shootout, like you said, we got goal and point before goal and point, but Cronulla really let that one slip. And 
I know Gallon's everyone's number one enemy, but I actually did feel bad for him after the game, looking at him and how dejected he was. To go almost 90 minutes on your last game at a place you've absolutely bled for and lose that way, it was savage. It really was. Well, that, all of his milestone games he's lost. Mm. So for Canberra, I uh, thought C's obviously the three field goals. He had ice in his veins. Thought Bateman had a good game. Croker, Chance was good. For the Sharks, Mully Taylor was outstanding. Again, they've got another great player on their hands. Gallon was big. Sherry, Morris, both had good games considering. I think their bench for Feeder and uh, Ueli come on did a pretty good job. But like you said, they just got real negative and lost in the second half. Uh, the, the goal kicking definitely would have helped, but, yeah, they just lost control of it. Yeah. So big loss, and uh, now they're playing for their season. But speaking of the Tigers, this one doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. It just felt bad from the start. Benny Hunt, as we said, is clearly lacking confidence. Puts a kick in on play two. Brooks takes it to the other end and, they set themselves up to score a try. And the second half was almost the exact mirror image. They had a deflected kick that then ended up turning to points. And both of the Dragons tries after those were off errors of the Tigers. Nothing they created. Mm-hmm. The first one was obviously the ball that was rolled over from Jennings and Aiken put down. The other one was Thompson dropping the ball and we don't have an opportunity. Other than that, yes, they, I thought they rolled down Phil on the Tigers, which is not hard to do with Michaeli Clark. And they're, they're playing undersized, let's face it, the Tigers. But they're battling. Mm-hmm. They do a real good job. They rip in, they work hard in their middle, and they get numbers in. The more important thing is, though, it's one thing to roll up field, but on the goal line, they just wouldn't go away. They gave the Dragons absolutely nothing. It took those errors for them to score points. They scramble their ass off. They get off their line. They're very good with their line speed. And uh, The sad <laughs> part, again, speaking to the Dragons, is once it looked like it was 10 points away or two scores away, they just quit. Mm. They got blown away. Benji Marshall had an absolute field day again. He's formed especially the back half of this season. He's been outstanding. Yeah. Been one of the better halves in the competition. Luke Brooks again, his running game, uh, still, in my opinion, underrated as a half. They got more than enough out of their forward pack, even if he's made up of a couple of guys you don't really know that well. I think Garner's introduction the last few weeks back in the side, he's been good. Uh, Momorowski scoring a hat-trick. He's taking advantage, and not for Luma. I've said this again on repeat the last few weeks. Every week in yardage, the tackle breaks, the rucks he creates, the offloads. Starting their sets, he's very, very damaging. But funny enough, to come out of all this, Masters was all the rage last year, and apparently now he's not happy and looking for a way out because he's not getting any ball and he's on the opposite side of the field. It's a bit Laramian situation, so it's funny how quickly things change to hear that he's potentially looking for an exit out of the club. And he re-signed him last year, so that's one for the off-season, I guess. But there's a few good young centers coming through, but you know, Tommy Tallow isn't one that could just slot straight in there. I, Isar Masters, his form has been poor. Well, part of it obviously probably comes with this side of it. This year, he's disappointed. I'm not sure it does because he's given, just getting he's getting simple things wrong. I was giving, he's missing tackles. He's dropping passes. His enthusiasm's yeah, clearly poor. off the board. That, that's no, you're a professional athlete. If you're not happy, you still go out and play well. Put your head out of your ass. Mm. Especially just, if just it's too often happens. If, is... if you're not happy, address it at the end of the year. Yeah. You've got a responsibility, firstly, to your teammates and secondly, to the fans of each club. And the team's playing well. The team's playing well. Surely you enough. can get yourself up yeah, and just put your own personal stuff aside. That's the thing that kind of gets me. They're Man. on the precipice of finals and you're worried about getting more ball. Like If they're killing it on the other edge... Go and find the ball. Yeah. But if they're killing it on that edge, you play the hot hand. You don't want the ball in a shit situation just for the sake of getting it's the football. No anyway, frustrating. But, yeah, I found that interesting to hear that he's potentially looking for a way out, but... Um, overall, yeah, I think the Dragons, they're going to have a good, long, hard look in the mirror in the off-season. There needs to be some changes to that squad. Some guys definitely need some time away. They need to flush everything negative that's happening around the club this season, block out the noise for a few weeks, and then rip back into pre-season. 
Yeah. That's what needs to happen. And then hopefully next year, as I said, there's still that big cloud looming over the top. Hopefully they can avoid uh, too much of that side of things and wait and see what happens when that day rolls around. But, yeah, yeah. I, I just think for that reason in particular, there's no way I'd get a rookie coaching or someone to take over that situation right now. Yeah, I think it's way too volatile and it'll blow up in someone's face. Yeah. Unless it's Flanagan <laughs> and they're really that unhappy, I would not make a change. And that's not even because of McGregor, whatever the situation is. Just given everything like I said that's going on, it's not the time to throw a rookie coach in. Because you could imagine if that boiled over with senior players in a group and a rookie coach, like it could get real ugly. So that's that's not the time. But I think probably the most disappointing thing here, like I talked about, is just some of the the outside players. Like they've they've rolled through their back line. You've had Pearson, you've had Maranto, you've had Ravalala, Lomax, who's uber talented, but as you would say, carries his divots. Mm. He made an error on the week, like it just seems to just run through him like venom when he makes an error and it just unravels and he can't get himself back in the game and he is ultra talented he's yeah. got the ability the physical ability and, and the actual ability in game to be a rep player but that mental side of the game he needs to work on because yeah there's a couple of guys there that when things get hard or something goes wrong they can't recover Yeah, I've also been frustrated again this year looking at a guy like Leilua who shows uber talent in attack but it's just not fit enough like he, he made some good runs on the weekend, 150 plus meters. He breaks tackles, he offloads. He's got a great passing game. Get fit. Mm. Like the ability's there. It's just the effort. A lot of guys, and you were speaking about Laurie and watching as well. Like carries and tries to do his job. But there's a couple of guys there that is just like you know you just need to work a bit harder. Yeah, it's play 80, 80 minutes out, see what happens. Mm. And then I guess their origin contingent. A lot of people have been disappointed, but they're all busted. Sims played. 12 weeks plus with a groin that needed surgery. You've got Vaughan who had that ankle injury in the off-season who's come into the year, got injured. So I so Cannonball at the start of the year, he's been playing needled. Frizzell's getting needled everywhere. I think they need to do a better job managing those guys this off-season. Yeah. If they need more time or people need niggling surgery, especially Frizzell. Frizzell's played all these kangaroo tours and I'm sure he wants to play again this year. But it's at a point now where it's like if you're almost 30 and you've got all these problems, you need to get something fixed. You can't constantly just be playing taped up and busted. It's yeah. If they're gonna, if that's the top end of your squad. Those guys all need to be healthy mm-hmm. come the start of next year. And the Ben Hunt situation that needs to be sorted out. Like I don't know where he is as far as headspace and all, all the bits and pieces because he looks a bit lost at the moment. And the cruelest blow of all, Cameron McInnes. Yeah, their most consistent player broke his leg with one game to go. Yeah, hard. So he's, they're gonna miss him this week. Got some real, real uh, luggage to carry this off season. But for the Tigers, they march on. Uh, awesome effort, and it's going to be huge this week. It really is. It's going to be a massive game. So look forward to that one at Leichhardt. But that wraps up our reviews of the games from the weekend. Uh, I didn't post up about fan questions box head, but I think next week we just do a swag of them. Yeah, great. Come on, man. We've gone three weeks now. <sighs> We've been a little bit time poor, but we'll get we'll get a big swag back next week for the fiends. Got to do one s- thing I will say: I'm not answering repeat questions. That's one thing I will say. That's fine, mate. You don't have to answer repeat right. questions. All right. That's good. For, just for the fiends. Just for the fiends. It's okay, mate. Sometimes you just got to dig in a little bit. It's getting busier at this time of year with work and football and everything starting off again, Brock. But yeah, mate. We still get lots of inboxes and questions, mate. So we'll give a big. Big fan question segment next week to all the people out there. But for now, we'll move on to tips, gossip, any stuff from the weekend. And basically, on a gossip point of view, uh, it was a few bits and pieces that were floating around. 
the first one is a bit of a move between the Dragons and the Sharks. On the Sharks side of things, they're very confident about getting Jesse Ramian back. And for that to be possible, obviously, with their salary cap restriction, the talk is they've tapped Josh Morris on the shoulder. And Josh Morris and the Dragons apparently have some mutual interest. Wow. So whether that happens or not is yet to be seen. He has to agree to leave, obviously, for them to get Ramian back. But the Sharks are super keen to get Jesse Ramian back on board. And Josh Morris could potentially finish back up where it all started at the Dragons. So uh, that would be interesting. If on the Dragons, I think it's a temporary band-aid, not really a smart move. But yeah. At the same time, uh, for the way they were defensively this year, in the edges in particular, I think they could certainly use some help there for 12 months. So Definitely. If uh, that facilitates, we'll see what happens. For the Sharks, I think it would be a win as well, especially if they get the Jesse Raymond playing the way he did before he left mm-hmm. and happy again. Sherry and Raymond's a pretty handy young uh, centre pairing. That's for sure. Uh, the other one, already mentioned it, Jared Rear Hargraves and Penrith. They are no doubt... Pushing, They want the money free from Reagan Campbell-Gillard for that reason. They want to get him at the back end of his career here, age 30, 31, to spend a couple of years with this young group of forwards, show them how it's done, professionalism, on-field, etc. I couldn't think of a better move right now. That'd be a great move for the Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they need it. They definitely they, do. They need and it. And he's a great player, Jarabri Hargraves. Arrow and AJ Brimson, as I said, are definitely on the radar for the Tigers. So, from your perspective, obviously that would be a critical blow if they took those guys away or if the Titans did lock them up. And again, this comes back to what we said before. You don't end up in an Ash Taylor situation where you hand over a King's Ransom and handcuff yourself. But at the same time, you you need to be there until right at the end or the death of this deal with all the details to make the decision about what you're going to do here. I find it odd that Brimson's been playing off the bench the last few weeks. I really do. Uh, whether that's a sign that something's already happened that we don't know about, I, I don't know, because there was rumours that they were trying to get him a year early. The Arrow thing, I doubt he's going anywhere. He's not going anywhere 12 months early, but the fact that he's negotiating multiple clubs are in the mix, he's going to scope everything out. But it sounds almost like he wants to stay, mm. or he does want to stay in the Queensland area, help build that club and boost things up. But it's going to be awfully tempting if you have Tigers, Pant- like whoever's out in the market in Sydney, aiming for him and if, especially if it's a club that can not only match the money but put him in a situation to play finals or push for premierships right now so there's been murmurs about almost bloody every club in particular going for him but yeah I think there'd be plenty of interest for Arrow but uh, Holbrook's got a hell of a job on his hands yeah he does he, he took really. he took the um, took the job knowing that yeah that was going to be the uh, that was going to be the deal so let's see how he goes mm-hmm Red Rara. And they're on the rack a little bit at the moment, St. Helens. They lost the Challenge Cup final. Um, and they're just... They're not, they're not wobbling, but they're wobbling. They look like they're ready for the finals. Yeah, they're ready for the finals. It's been a long year. Mm. And they won the minor premiership by seven or eight by games or something. country mile, yeah. So, yeah, they're probably just sitting there kind of waiting. But, yeah, they but been to lose the Challenge Cup final was big. Well, some people... Warrington have lost five in a row heading into that game. and Wow. Well. Rolled him. It was very, very surprising. Mm. Semi-Red Rara, obviously this week, talk that he's already talking to the Bulldogs, but it's not for next year. It's not until 2021. So, again, to be opening talks up 12 months out is a bit crazy, in my opinion, mm. when someone's still going to play a season and a World Cup, etc., and all those bits and pieces. But for the Bulldogs, uh, he's still only young. I think people forget that when he played his three or four years here, prior to that, he played under 20s. I know he looks like he's 35, but yeah. he's still only 24, 25 years old right now. Coming back, if he was anything like the player he was before he left, he could certainly help the Bulldogs out. But again, what price? 
for them, when you've cleared salary cap debt, the last thing you want to do is throw the kitchen sink and ruin your salary cap for a winger. So they need to figure out what their situation is there, but they're involved. And then a couple of re-signings just to finish up here. Nickel Clogstad, three-year extension with the Canberra Raiders. So for the bargain buy that they pulled over and let him have a run at fullback, it's turned out to be a pretty bloody good deal for the Raiders at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to have a guess, three-year extension for a player like Nickel Clogstad, I think on market value, you'd probably say about half a million, given what you've seen this year. Key yeah. position player. Still got a bit to learn, I guess, the ball-playing thing, like I said the other week, and the try assist are quite low, but... 80 minutes, full commitment, tackle break, set starts, all the rest of it, push it around the middle. You'd have to think he's probably on around half a million dollars now, which is a nice payday for someone who's been persisting for three or four years in cup to get his opportunity. So, well-deserved. And I think another thing you see plenty of, if anyone sees the websites and bits and pieces on social media, he does a hell of a lot in the community down there. So, he's obviously clearly just a good human being, Mm -hmm. which is great for your club. They're the kind of people you want to have around. And for the Cowboys... Uh, Gavin Cooper got a one-year extension and Corey Jensen got a two-year extension, which I find not odd for Jensen because I thought Jensen would be someone who's handy for your top 30 off the bench. So clearly I think that would be a decent value deal for a guy who's got some leg speed. But Gavin Cooper for another year, I think they're at the point now where they need some fresh legs, especially in that back row spot. It's not, it's not saying he doesn't do his job, but it's a bit of the same same. And we saw it again last year and it looked a bit stale again this year. Him, Scott... Bolton, etc., all those kind of guys, um, whether that's because, I don't know, that, that they can't really find anyone on the market or they don't have anyone pushing through in that position for 12 more months, I'm not sure. And that's no slight on Gavin Cooper, but I think it's at that point now. Uh, they need to move on. So, yeah, there you go. There's all your gossip. Tips from last week brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, anyone out there, keep your eyes open for those best bets and obviously post it up, Brock, about the NFL and college best bets package which for the last two years, they've, in recommended bets with the units they bet with, turned a profit of 16500 From uh, 1,300 bets that were recommended by the insider and the college guy, they have a profit of turnover of 13.3%, which is pretty good double digits for any punters out there. And their first two months of recommended bets the last couple of years, they've gone off with a bang. So I think their first season, they turned over 3000 in their first month if you bet a $100 unit. So we spoke about this before. One unit for them is $100. For someone like us, it might be $10, $20. So if you went off that percentage, you would have turned over $300 if you were betting $10 a bet or $600 if you were betting $20 a bet. Last year, the second year they were in this package, 4500 the first month. Yeah. So if, again, if you were betting their units, which is $100 per bet, 4500 for us, if you're betting $10, $20 like most punters do, then you would have turned over $450, $900 in a month. This is their top performing package. So if you're looking at getting on board and you're a big fan of the NFL and college like we are, I can't wait for the NFL to start again. I'm sure you're feeling the same way. About the Falcons, confident this year? Always confident. Always confident. We've got a good side. I'm happy with the Patriots situation. Some pretty nifty moves in the off-season and some changes there. But Falcons just got to stay healthy. Yeah, well, I think that's... And we've got rid of our offensive coordinator, so... Very handy. But if you're in, like we are, on the NFL and the college stuff, have a look at this package, have a bet, get on board with the Pro Sports Syndicate. This is their top performing package and keep your eyes open, obviously, for any promos and some best bets for the NRL heading into the final series. But tips last week, Brock. Perfect round, brother. Good on you. Yep. You kill it. Yep. Got Bang. Not, not much else to say, mate? No, nothing to say. You're a bit quiet tonight. I don't brag. I don't brag, mate. You're a bit quiet tonight, mate. Uh, I got seven. 
And yeah. Mr. Gossip, he threw a few randoms out there and he's gone down in flames last oh, week. Okay. He got four. There you go. So you're His on, leads evaporated. You're on 114, I'm on 112, and Gossip is now on 111. So let's look at the games for the last round of the NRL regular season for this week. Kicking off Friday night with a blockbuster at South versus the Roosters. Just one change to the 17 of Souths with Tom Amone coming to the bench for Kyle Turner who injured his quad last week for the Roosters. There's some huge ins. Boyd Cordner and Cooper Cronk back on deck with this clash. It sees Crichton go back to the bench and Tokiaho, who went down last week, is out with a real problem. So we spoke during the week. Would you rest players? Would you not rest players? Clearly, they're going full strength. You know my take on it. So Trent Robinson's barking up the same tree. Yep. They're going full steam ahead here. Tell you what, elite teams don't rest. When they don't need to rest, they don't rest. It's a dangerous message to send to your players. Yep. Well, who you got, Box? Roosters. You reckon this will be tight? Well, they got beat by them in round one. So I think it'll be tight, yes, but I don't think the Rabbitohs are on their level. Well, this is a prove-it game for me on the same thing. Uh, for the Rabbitohs to prove it, the last two weeks are good wins, but they haven't played the Roosters. So I like the Roosters in this one, but with that rivalry, you can almost guarantee this would be a close game. It always is. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Bunnies, there 240. The Roosters, $1.57 minus four is the line. 1 to 12 for South, 350, 285 for the Roosters, 13 plus for South, 625, 315 for the Roosters. A clash of two of the finals teams again Eels versus Manly at Bank West Stadium for Brad Arthur. He's made a couple of changes. Tepai Marawa and Ray Stone are on the bench at the expense of Penny Terrapo and David Gower. Baradani Akore starts at lock with Alvaro back to the bench. And for the Seagulls, Brendan Elliott, as we thought, has been named at fullback, also out. Kazuski, we spoke about earlier, that knee injury, he hasn't been able to overcome that, and Morgan Boyle. So those three guys, plus the week before, obviously they lost Joel Thompson. They're feeling the pinch. But Corey Riddell, he moves into the starting side, and Sean Kepi comes on the bench for his debut. I'm pretty sure he was a Parramatta junior. So over there at Manly now, Lloyd Perrett also joins the bench. So they've had a bit of a turnover in that situation. Um that's a big ask. It's at Bank West, and with those couple of extra players out, I'm going to go with the Eels, but I still think Manly will give them an absolute dogfight. Eels at Bank West. Yeah, I think that's the only thing I give there, but I still like the forward pack. Manly pumped them up rookie. I like the starting forward pack. That was about a month ago, I think. But the bench, that's that's a big change to go to Parrot. Kepi on debut. Parrot has barely played first grade this year, let alone maybe... Two yeah. or three games, I think. There's a reason for that. Paseca played some good minutes last week, but again, still not a whole lot of minutes. So that's the main thing. I'm looking at that bench saying there's going to be a big expectation this week on Fanua Blake and Tapia if yeah. they're going to win this game. But I definitely don't write her off, but I'll stick with the Eels. You're on board there as well. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.57 for Parrot at home, 240 for Manly, minus four the line. One to twelve for the Eels is two eighty five. Three fifty for the Seagulls, thirteen plus for the Eels, three fifteen, six twenty five for Manly. Storm Cowboys, I think this one, you'll expect maybe one or two changes, but Melbourne, similar, have gone basically with the full-strength lineup. The only change that they're looking for is Cameron Munster, which you can understand. If you've been playing hurt or with a niggle for a few weeks, you've got things kind of sorted out and you want him to help you with the finals, he's the only one they've rested for this week. <coughs> Jerome Hughes is in the halves with Brody Croft. He gets an opportunity there. And Josh Adokar, who's also been playing a bit busted, looks like they're going to rest him for a week as well. Shando Earl gets a start on the wing. The other change on the bench, Tui Kamikamika, comes back from an arm injury, and Brandon Smith, he's also having a rest. So maybe, I think they pushed him back in with an ankle injury last week. 
Yeah. Anyone with a niggle like you were speaking about, talking about resting, clearly these guys all have niggles. Because other than that, they've named Nelson, all these kind of guys, you probably would have rested otherwise. But yeah, as you said, only necessary people to be rested before they play that final. Yeah. Still a strong lineup for them. And on the flip side, the Cowboys just won't change. Josh Maguire comes back after his Surrex suspension, gets to play in the last round. Reuben Cotter drops to the reserves to make the room. What do you reckon, Boxhead? Melbourne will want to win heading into the final, Melbourne. surely. Melbourne will bash them. I'm sure the Cowboys will want to throw the kitchen sink for their last game, but Melbourne definitely won't want to go when we're losing form. And you still got to be confident with the side that they've named. So looking at this one, the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.17 out of the Storm, $5 for the Cowboys, minus 13 and a half the line. One to twelve storm three dollars six dollars for the Cowboys thirteen plus for the storm a dollar eighty five fourteen dollars for the Cowboys Raiders Warriors kicks off Saturday down there at Canberra Nickel Clogstad Rapana Sia Saliola and John Bateman are all being rested so Ricky Stewart going the opposite kind of route here obviously because they can't get first or second Bailey Simonson goes to fullback his wing spot is taken by Michael Oldfield while Sebastian Crisp takes Rapana's place in the pack. Hudson Young will start. Emre Gula comes onto the bench and JJ Collins comes in for his second game of the year to be part of that middle rotation. For the Warriors, Adam Pompey and Blake Ashford are a new centre pairing to replace the injured Peter Hicku and Pat Herbert. And young playmaker Tavita Harris is sidelined by an injury also. The new faces are Bunty Afoa and Adam Kieran. So Nick Arima back in the starting side there with Blake Green. Even with those changes, I reckon Raiders at home. Raiders will All those guys have proven that they can do a job. Hudson Young's definitely proved that he's got some potential. I think the main thing, again, is just the bench kind of change up. But on the flip side, we haven't seen a whole lot from the Warriors this year. So uh, you definitely stick with the Raiders down there in Canberra. But yeah, if those guys have all had big years, CSIL, Bateman, etc., Nickel Clogs, that's had some huge games. Now's the time to get the rest in with the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1.26 are the Raiders, $3.85 for the Warriors, minus 9.5 the line. $1 to $12 for the Raiders is $3, $4.75 for the Warriors, $13 plus for the Raiders is $2.29 for the Warriors. Dogs versus the Broncos. On the flip side of this one, would have been an absolute cracker if the Broncos had to win this one to try and hold in. But on the flip side, the only way they can get screwed out of the final spot now, like we said, is a golden point draw. But for the Bulldogs... So Lesniak's out with an knee injury. Will Hopawato shifts to fullback. Morgan Harper comes in for his NRL debut in the centres. Remus Smith comes back from suspension in the centres. And Holland is out with a shoulder injury. For the Broncos, Jake Turpin starts at halfback after a two-week suspension. Sean O'Sullivan dropped out of the side to the reserves. That kind of surprised me, to be honest. I probably would have stuck with him there. I guess defensively, Turpin's better. But in attack and kicking, you would have stuck with O'Sullivan. And Shivasaki also to the reserves. He's replaced on the bench by Isaiah Parisi. <sighs> well, I think despite that change Broncos. and being in Sydney, the Broncos definitely will want to get another win and continue their good form. For the Dogs, I think they've been up for a long period of time. That loss last week obviously would have been a little bit crushing. Not saying they don't turn up and give their all here, but I think that definitely the Broncos will be a lot more motivated this year and the Bulldogs will be looking forward to the off-season. So. Yeah, no but doubt. Both on the Broncos here. A dollar fifty nine favorite with the Pro Sports Syndicate, two thirty five for the Dogs, minus four is the line. One to twelve Broncos, two eighty five, three fifty for the Dogs, thirteen plus three fifteen for the Broncos, six twenty five for the Dogs. Titans, Dragons, last versus second last. Oof, up there, Callum Watkins, he's been dropped out of the side. Tyron Peachy moves to the centers. AJ Brimson finally back in the side, starts at six. 
Mitch Roan is at hooker. Pete's moves back to lock. Arrow goes to prop. Moriaki Fotoeko is out injured. And the new face on the bench is Jack Stockwell. For the Dragons, Norman's back from his groin injury. He's going straight back into fullback. Tristan Saylor goes to the wing. And Zach Lomax is out after that head knock he got last week. Reese Robson starts at hooker with Cam McInnes out. Blake Laurie has been promoted to the starting side. Luciano Leilua gets to the bench. And Jeremy Lattimore gets a spot on the bench for his last game at the expense of Pat Kafusi. What do you reckon, Brock? Can you guys win the last game at home? <clears throat> yeah, I'll tip us. I'll tip us. I think uh, huge out. Uh, McInnes, massive out. The Titans suck, but, man, they can get up from one game, surely. One game. They've lost 10 games in a row. Yeah. They've won four games all year. Yeah, actually, that's the other point. I They're neg- at home. I neglected in there. Last week, the way they debuted Tanner Boyd off the bench in a bloodbath was just cruel. They took him to Newcastle. Like, if you're going to play a young half, just start him. Yeah. Just play him in the game. They waited until they were down almost five tries and then threw Tanner Boyd into the action for the last 20 or so minutes. Yeah. What a shit way to debut. Like, I know no one complained. Like, you play in the NRL, you take a debut, you can get it. But given the way the year's gone, that's yeah, it's not really the greatest way to kick off your career coming into a team that's getting flogged yeah. in that way. So he's named on the bench again this week. Again, I'm of the opinion if Jax isn't your future and you've got Brimson there and you've got Boyd, play those two together. Mm-hmm. Give them a game together. See what you've got. Well, surely that would make a bit of sense to do that. And just quietly, uh, Watkins, in particular, these first few weeks, I know he's playing in a very, very poor side, but defensively, he's been ordinary. Uh, I know it's a bit different over in the Super League. You've watched more than I have, obviously, the lead set up a long point in time there. But, yeah, I know they're poor on their edges in particular, but I think as the weeks have gone on watching him defensively, he's got a lot to work on. He's decent with the football, but that's a big hole. I'm going to stick with the Dragons. Uh, I think for them, similar deal, hard year. If they're ever going to win another game or finish on a high, this is the one to finish on, and it's Vaughan's 150th first grade game. <clears throat> so you'd like to think the blokes would get up for a milestone game, but they've been very, very low the last few weeks. So if there's one that the Titans can win, <laughs> spoon bowl, last for the second last. Yeah. So with the odds in this one, the Pro Sports Centre get the Dragons, a dollar sixty-five favourite, two twenty-five. For the Titans, minus two and a half the line. One to twelve for the Dragons, two eighty, three thirty-five for the Titans, thirteen plus for the Dragons, three forty-six dollars for the Titans. And then the Sunday to finish us off for the regular season, the epic clash: the Tigers, the Sharks, two p.m. Leichhardt. That's going to be awesome. Looking at the lineups for this one, they've got Robbie Farah named and Mo Zimbai in jersey twenty and twenty-one. So. Late inclusions, possibly. We'll have to wait and see. Josh Reynolds is named a hooker after coming off the bench last week. So Ryan Madison goes to lock it. Eisenhoof to the bench. I don't know why they bothered to write that as if that's going to happen. Every week so far, they've done that reshuffle. That'll probably happen again, I assume, with uh, Benji starting there at hooker and Reynolds back to the bench. But for the Sharks, they will be relieved. Sean Johnson has been included this week after pulling out in the warm-up last week. Sasai Fecky returns. Sione Katoa is out. Kyle Flanagan goes back to the reserves. And Matt Moylan, who is making another comeback from injury, he is also named in the reserves. I think the simple thing here is if he's not good to go, don't play him. Every week they seem to lose an outside back or two. It's been a constant cycle for them to have to readjust. They're in a very lucky position. They've got a quality player like Kurt Capewell, who is as good on the wing, centre or back row. But it's not ideal every week having outside backs going in and out of his side, changing full backs, centre, defensive combinations on judges. So for them this week, the healthiest team goes on the field. If Sean Johnson's in any doubt, you don't play him. 
you play Flanagan. He's proved that he can win games, but you just don't take anyone in who's potentially going to get injured. Yeah. And Jack Williams is already back on the bench. That's a real positive for them. So with the bench, if Fafita, Hamlin, Ueli, Williams, really, really powerful. But you spoke to it last week. The lack of leg speed when they start off with Pryor, Woods, and Gallon. They're very one out. They're very negative. There's just no leg speed to the middle. They need to split it. They need to break that combination up. You need to have Fafita or Ueli start with one of those slower guys. We got found out again on the weekend. To try and bring something into this equation. But uh, I'm going to go with the Sharks, even though everything's against them. I just think they're the better football side. But my God, everything is against them. I think the Tigers are going to take them down to the absolute wire. Sharks. That's a big result for me. It's a big result for both of us, I think. Mm. And the odds of this one, the pro sports team, you get the Sharks, $1.75 favourites, the Tigers, 207 minus two the line, one to twelve, two seventy for the Sharks, three dollars for the Tigers, thirteen plus four fifteen for the Sharks, five fifty for the Tigers in the last game of the regular season. Out here in the Golden West, the Panthers versus the Newcastle Knights. For the Panthers, Wade Egan will start a hooker. Sienna Katoa is dropped to the reserves. Jerome Luai is named on the bench. Mansell's included among the reserves as he tries to get back from injury. And for the Knights, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, he goes back into the starting side. Aiden Guerra goes to the bench. And the only other change is Kurt Mann is on the bench for Jacob Saifiti. What do you reckon, Boxhead? Ah, uh, Panthers. But I, have, I, I don't know. Just because the last home game, the season finish know. off. I think, in all honesty, uh, that Newcastle... I'd probably have a little more faith in just more particularly what happens around their spine and particularly with Connor Watson and Ponga as opposed to what's going on with the 1-9 from Penrith. But the fact that it's the last game of the season at Penrith, I'd expect a big crowd. I'm going to give them the emotional vote here. So I'm going to go the Panthers as well. But yeah. for Newcastle, again, I, I think that Tigers game for me, just that really killed it off. They should be in a, playing this game right now for a final spot, but they've muffed it. Correct. Let's not take yep. over from the Tigers, Correct. but they just did not try, so... I'm sure they'll both be keen for this one. Should be a half-decent game of football to finish off the season here at Penrith. But both on the Panthers and the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.70, 215 for the Knights, minus 3.5 for the line, 1-12 for the Panthers, 285 340 for the Knights, 13-plus <coughs> for the Panthers, 330 $6 for the Knights. Best bets brought last week. We both got one of the two. Uh, you had Raiders 1-12. to I had Sharks 1-12. to So one of us was going to win, unless yeah. they had the draw. But you got that result. I didn't. Uh, and you had... Newcastle one to twelve, which obviously turned thirteen plus. I had the troll try win, which hit off. So, what do you got for this week? Newcastle one to twelve. Do I really have Newcastle one to twelve? I sure week? did. Is there anything you like? I'm not sure I did. Anyway, you did. All right. Uh, this week. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you like? Any bets? Uh, Cronulla one to twelve. So you flip that one. Sharks one to twelve. Anything else? Hmm. Yeah, I like the um, Roosters to win 13-plus on Thursday. Roosters 13-plus. I think they'll open up a can of whoop-ass. Ring-a-ding-ding. Getting on the heavy. Oof. Oh, heavy. Oh, heavy. Let me think. What do we got here? What do we have? I'm tempted to go with you on the Sharks. The I'm tempted to go 13-plus on the Sharks. Oh, I'm definitely not that keen. So, For listeners that can recall, they played Canberra in a must-win game at Leichhardt maybe two or three years ago, and they got lapped by 50. <clears throat> Just laying some truth on you. Well, probably one of the easiest try-win bets is to back almost anyone from the Roosters' left edge to score a try. We'll do it. The last few weeks, it's been working out quite well for them. But 
Made me scared. That's one I'm looking at, in all honesty. It's good good uh good listening right now. It is. For the listeners. It's engaging. Well I need, I need to find something here. I need try scorers. Oh, they don't have the bloody try scorers up. Of course What's they don't. doing? It's fucking Tuesday night, mate. Well last week they had the try scorers up. They killed they're killing me here, mate. Well, I'm going with you on the Sharks. I think that's going to be a close game, but 1-12 to 12 is the result that I like on that one. And one other one. 1-12, to 12, mate. I don't know. I don't, I don't bloody know. Uh, I'm going to go just the same combo again. I'm going to go the troll trial win. At least get some elevator music going for the listeners. The troll trial win. Because that left edge. Oh, him and Sherry the last few weeks have just been pain for me. And then I had Pappenhausen last week as well and Tedesco. It's been it was a very handy weekend on the trial wing combo last week, but that left edge, I can't remember I I messaged somebody saying that if you get on board with Tedesco, Tupo and Latrol most weeks, you're gonna get a win. All three of them scored on the weekend. Mm. So that left edge, very, very potent. I'll go that one again. So there you go. Another week done box head. It's uh, back end of the season as far as the NRL is concerned, but things are about to heat up with finals. Junior reps are about to kick off for us. Lots going on with work, family. It's getting busy. It is. It's getting real, real busy. <clears throat> it is. So we'll endeavour to do a couple of game companions during the finals, but it's been a bit harder this year, obviously, because things have stepped up uh, to a new level with life, as it does. Life gets busy, but we'll try and get some game companions in during the finals box head. Yeah, we will, yeah. Because, obviously, decent quality games and... Yeah, we'll try and definitely make some more time for those. And next week, like I said, we'll come back for those fan questions, do a big slab of them, obviously, with less finals to come. But finals are here after this weekend. Who will it be? Will the Tigers get in? Will the Sharks get the job done? Or will they somehow come up with a backdoor deal to have a golden point draw controversially and get the Broncos punted from the finals? But let's see what happens, shall we? But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.